seat, timer, stair, angle, efferent than pecan. That's a discussion we should have offline. Timer, stair, angle, angel, dodge, yes, but no to Chevy, Honda, or Volvo. Eagle is okay. Sheep, quick, silly, shape, tense, total. Bible? It's on the borderline. Wordle, okay? For those who thought there was nothing good in the New York Times. Can we get an amen? Favorite word to start. What is it? What's your favorite word to start? All right, sounds cruel. Green, yellow, gray, instant feedback. You instantly feel good about yourself or actually have that soul-crushing experience. I didn't get a single one right. I've actually never played it. Even though I like words, whether they are five letters or four letters, hello, or longer or shorter, words, right? Words, plurals don't count. Word, word, as in herd, as in a herd of sheep, sheep wool, wool cashmere, so soft, so warm, like word, I heard you. My word, my promise, my oath, if you're inclined to shade, that could be a word of word, what you will actually commit to, giving your word, it's kind of like an oath, and you put your hand on the good book, right? I give an oath, I give my word. A word is something important to say. I have a word for you this morning. Last October, we asked for help. I asked for help. We are looking at a shortfall for the year. We went from a shortfall to a surplus of $306,000. Thank you. Thank you. Your generosity is amazing. On January 30th, Tuesday night, we'll be having a budget information meeting to discuss financial matters in advance of the annual meeting, which is on February 4th. Eric already alluded to the fact, if you would like to be a member of Timberwood Church, and I would say being a member of Timberwood Church is a very good thing. I'm a member of Timberwood Church. I think it's one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. Right after, right after Jesus, but, you know, really, really close, right? Annual meeting, February 4th. Okay, we invite you to come, right? But on the budget information meeting, you don't have to be a member, right? We'll talk about the surplus, our physical plant needs, as well as looking forward to 2024. Page 996, which isn't a word, word, a word, but it is a Porsche. Do you remember which years? I'll let you think about that one. All scripture is breathed out by God. All scripture is, all scripture is breathed out. Why? are my lips and tongue not working? All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. A few pages later, 1018, Peter writes this, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This idea, okay, as we explore this first quarter of 2024, our statement of faith, we start off with this reality of the importance of this book called the Bible. We believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God, is absolutely reliable and trustworthy, and is our supreme and final authority in faith and in life. Spirit-initiated, God-breathed, speaking for God, enabled by the Spirit, how does it start? We can look at an Old Testament word, a Hebrew word, ruach, which means breath. It also means spirit, the very, the very breath of God. These are obviously metaphors. I mean, how do we, we don't, right? But we look at how the Bible describes God, okay? The breath of God. In the New Testament, we have this word pneuma, the spirit, breath, air, 
When Paul wrote these words in 2 Timothy 3.16, it was a statement about the books that we call the Old Testament. We really don't have all of the books of the New Testament at the time that Paul is writing in 2 Timothy, rather. We really don't have all the books of the New Testament until the end of the first century. How it became, this book, how this book became important and what got included and what got excluded. For Paul, the inspired word of God would have been the books of law, the first five books of the Old Testament, the Torah. Those are Genesis, Exodus, Diary in the Desert, Deuteronomy. The prophets that were usually named after the dude that wrote them, except for Lamentations, which is Jerry's Lament, okay? Then you have poetry and you have history, okay? Those were the inspired word of God for Paul. And those were the words that he searched to prove that Jesus was not only the Messiah, but the Son of God, and worthy of our allegiance, worthy of a relationship, worthy of us going to God. Because literally, Jesus' name, Yeshua in the Hebrew, right? God saves. To that, we've added the Gospels, okay? So, Paul didn't totally know all that was going on, but he had a pretty good idea that there were stories about Jesus that would be circulating that would be very important. And so we add Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Not Thomas, okay? The Gospel of Thomas was written in the second century. Every once in a while, Time Magazine, about every 20 years, is like, oh, why was the Gospel of Thomas not included in the Bible? Because it's not belonging in the Bible, okay? It doesn't have the same weight that these other books do, okay? By the time the Gospel of Thomas is written, Thomas is dead. I like Thomas. Thomas is my guy, wanting to believe Thomas. But Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, not Thomas. Then Paul's work, the Ians, right? The Corinthians, the Galatians, the Ephesians, the Thessalonians, okay? John's work, okay? And Peter's work and James' work. And then Hebrews, we don't know who wrote Hebrews. Best evangelical scholarship, we don't know who wrote Hebrews. But for the New Testament, for a book to be included in the New Testament, it needs to be written in the first century. It's God-breathed. It's spirit-initiated. This isn't some happy accident. This didn't come by happenstance. This is God making an intentional investment. It is no small thing to write a book, let alone to get it published and reproduced and spread through the ages. God has made a significant investment making sure that this thing comes to us. It's also an action book, right? 1 John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So when we talk about the words of God, we also have to acknowledge the Word of God, which is another name for the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, who when he was incarnated, okay, got the name Jesus. It's the action of God, right? This, this book is a book of action. It tells the story, okay, the historical reality of creation. It has a dark lord. It has redemption. It has restoration. It has final battle. It has a feast. 
And along the way, there are unvarnished views of humans and the choices that they make and the things that they do. And we've said it before. Years ago, we said it before when talking about the Bible. If the Bible were actually made into a graphic movie, it wouldn't escape with an NC-17 rating. Okay, there, there are no punches pulled. Human beings in all their frailty and wrongness are shown in this book. God's not afraid of that because God has a solution. God has a plan. God has this pathway of redemption and restoration that even though humans do incredibly stupid things, it's God in action. It's God bringing order to the chaos created by eating the papaya in the garden. It's the Word of God. It's the words of God. It is God in action. And it's key to understand that this book, while it does stand on its own, doesn't have to stand on its own. It's corroborated by outside sources. Take, for instance, Ephesians 5.18. You know it, right? Do not be drunk with wine, for that leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. A couple things. Just because it doesn't say whiskey doesn't mean you get a free pass on bourbon. Second, bicycling. Not quite the inspired word of God. But for me, close. Current issue of Cycling Magazine, slightly sweat-stained because it was in the sauna. Does cycling have a drinking problem? Oh, well, that kind of gets my attention, right? Bikes and booze have been linked for decades, but research shows there's no such thing as a healthy amount of alcohol. Kind of sounds like an expanded version of Ephesians 5.18. To put it plainly, alcohol is bad for your health. This isn't the Bible. This is Bicycling Magazine, which for me is close to the Bible. Like, if the Bible's up here, this is like, well, I should probably create a little distance, right? A little distance. But it's here, okay? It's on the same page. It's in the same room. To put it plainly, alcohol is bad for your health. Its negative impact starts at roughly a drink a day, and the science that once seemed to support any healthy benefits of so-called moderate drinking, much of which was funded or promoted by the alcohol companies, fairness and conversation, alcohol companies don't like care about your health, has since largely been debunked, including the myth that red wine is good for your heart. Every expert I spoke with for this article agreed that whatever minor benefits of light drinking remains, like lower blood sugar, are outweighed by the downsides, like increased cancer risk. Alcohol is a group one carcinogen, meaning that like tobacco and asbestos, okay, now she's pushing it, right? I mean, she's going hard to the paint. It's been proven to cause cancer. Day later, page later, she says, people who do not currently drink alcohol should not start for any reason. No reason to drink this stuff. She has this intriguing story of this guy, okay, who was a cyclist, bike mechanic, and hey, this is a world, right, that I know pretty well. Like, you tip your bike mechanic with a six-pack of beer. This guy would go, he would come home, he would ride home, he would, numerous close incidents where he just about got taken off the bike on a car because he was intoxicated. That didn't stop it. You know what stopped it? He rode home after an event, gone beyond belief. He was on his bike, so it's not a DUI. He gets home. He fumbles at the door for five minutes trying to stick his key in the lock. 
his wife's on the other side the entire time. When, she fi- when he finally opens the door, she's just like, yeah, you're not sleeping inside tonight. After reporting this story, the author says, I ended up taking a several-month break of sorts from booze. Most days I don't drink, but rather than teetotaling, I enjoy a drink on special occasions. It's intentional. The alcohol industry has long needed to be associated with the sport we love. Does our sport still need to be associated with alcohol? The other night, I'm going to uh, get pizza at the old Rafferty's. NPR's on the car radio because it's a Volvo. And... um, and, um, and there's this discussion about the same topic. And the individual who is arguing for, like, not consuming booze is like, I don't get it. You what, sit down with your friends and say, well, before we begin a conversation, here, drink some of this poison so that I like you more. Paul just says it shorthand, right? Don't be drunk with wine. The Word of God is the action of God. It's, it's helpful for teaching and reproof and for correction and for training. And if you have a problem with alcohol, be honest with it. And if that's too strong, if I'm going too hard to the paint, and I say it to myself. The other day I was talking with a friend. He quit a number of years ago. He drinks these NAs now, so I picked up a six-pack of NAs um, by some California brewery, right? And I said, you know, the unique thing is that whenever I've drinking an NA, one is enough. I never want to have two or three or four. And, and, and maybe we should just, like, take the book, right? Because the book's helpful. And if you have an adverse relationship with booze, maybe it needs a change. Paul says teaching and reproof and correction and training. What does the Word of God mean to me? (laughs) There's a lot here, right? It's the God who is revealed. It's, it's this story. Um, it's, it's the past, and it's the present, and, and it's the future. What this book promises in the future is, is, is a consequence-free feast with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It talks about the today, right? It, it's a book that's really unequaled. It is relevant and consistent with advice on how to live. If if you don't have one of these, take this one or take the one that's in front of you. Read it. Ultimately, I'm a pragmatist, okay? If something doesn't work, I'm like, yeah, it doesn't really work for me. This works. This works. It has the ability. I mean, this is magical. Okay, just think of a book that like for every point in time in which it encounters, it is relevant and it is consistent. It has this ability to move forward into time, making sense in any language that it is translated into. And please understand, the first Bible wasn't written in English. 
I know we think we're special because we live in the western half of the world. No, the first Bible was written in Greek and Hebrew and translated into English. It's got legs. It's got longevity. And compare it to any other holy book that exists in the world, it is stronger. And pragmatically, when I practice what it teaches, it works. It works for every day how to live in grace and mercy, how to experience both, how to give forgiveness, how to receive forgiveness, in attitude, in posture. If you start your day out, when I start my day out with this book, it enables me to pay attention to what God is doing, even if in that day there's a lot of hard stuff coming my way. It's a book that describes how I can love God and how I can love my neighbor and how I can love myself. It's a book that's committed to taking the chaos that exists and bringing order to it. It's a book that's committed to redemption and restoration. It's a book that affects my personal decisions that I make. It's a book that affects the decisions of the community in which I live. It teaches me how I can relate to the Creator and that I can relate to the Creator, that the Creator wants to relate to me. And it teaches me how I should be a steward of the creation. It teaches me whose image I am created in, whose image you are created in. It tells me that I have a fatal flaw, that if it's not corrected, it means death. But it doesn't leave me there. It provides an antidote to the fatal flaw, Jesus Christ. It is refreshingly honest. It describes even the heroes as knuckleheads who consistently make mistakes. It encourages me to be the best version of myself. And it's critical, right? Because the distinction isn't the best version of what I think, but the best version of what God thinks. the best version of what God could want for you and for me because we're created in His image. And it's all in the book. A couple weeks ago, we talked about Matthew chapter 5, rather chapter 6, verses 34, 35. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. This year, I started for probably the first time ever in my life, okay? It's not like I don't love the Bible. It's not like I don't study the Bible. But I don't know. Let's just say, let's just say I haven't 
ever started January 1st and read through the Bible in a year, okay? Let's just make that statement. Some of you would be like, oh, it's okay. I'm not going to hell. Well, at least not because of that. No, I don't think I'm going to hell. For me, it, it, it's, I, I feel like, like I talked about it a couple weeks ago, like being drawn to something deeper, more significant. I, I think it's both meditating on, on, on a scripture like Matthew 6, 33 to 34. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. Don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will give you whatever you need to deal with the hard stuff. That's my paraphrase of Peterson's paraphrase of Matthew 6, 34 going deep in one verse, but, but also allowing a, a, a daily engagement because my life is better when I'm in this book. That's why the Bible is so important to Timberwood Church. And it's why we start our faith statement, our statement of faith, with these words. We believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God, is absolutely reliable and trustworthy, and is our supreme and final authority in faith and life. Please pray with me. Father, thank you for revealing yourself to us in nature, yes. In the lives of those around us, yes. But in a very specific and tangible way through this book that we call the Bible. Allow its words to transform our lives. Allow its words to be enabled by your spirit, by your breath. Allow its words to be the air that we breathe. Allow us to, on a daily basis, inhale the Word of God and exhale the cares and the frustration and the pain that we experience. Allow us to inhale redemption and restoration and grace and peace and allow us to exhale anger, frustration, disappointment, loss. Allow us to inhale your very breath. Thank you for this time, O oh great God. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.